Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to this. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, alone in the dungeon, but kind of joined down the line-ish by Tim Cocker in a van and Phil in his living room. How are we, gentlemen? I'm very well. I'm, 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 I'm having to think. We should really have got our theme tune done by a kid's choir. In fact, can you get Lucy and Annabelle to sing, just just to a cappella sing the theme tune? That would that would be amazing. Well, I would, but my kids are only one quarter Asian, and that would not be diverse enough. I mean, the number one requirement for, for a choir, it would seem, is not that it can sing, but it is suitably diverse. So, no, sadly, oh, hold I can't. On, hold on, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually gonna stick up for the idea, the concept. These kids are orphans. <laughs> what? <laughs> They the were idea, orphans. The idea, no, wrong with the idea. It was a nice idea. They were orphans, badly, badly executed. Yeah, no, they weren't. I feel terrible now. I think they were. <laughs> they, yeah, they weren't okay. orphans. Well, know, no, fine, but I, there you go. They weren't. They, they, they're orphans. Hang on a minute. Let's just. If the number one requirement for singing in a stadium is not having parents, I think they've got their criteria wrong. <laughs> Where where are you, Cocker? Because your your signal is dreadful. Uh, you're dipping in and out, so you must be having fun. Where are you? Uh, yes, do you know what? I will I will flip to the five G on my phone, which I'm I'm using up at a rate of knots. I've oh, got like you're this stealing uh, Wi Fi from somebody. Is that what you're up to? No, no. I've I've bought this like I've got this device and bought a SIM card. It's like meant to to, to create a hotspot of some a little, sort. A little hotspot. But the, but the actual bloody the the native French one is dreadful, and my English five G seems to be working much better. So I hold on a minute. Okay, well, whilst you sort sort that, yeah, I'll, um, I'll sort that out. I'll say hello to Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So, what we're we doing today? We're talking about the the preview of the World Cup games because, of course, all of the teams are out. Uh. Many of the sure. teams are out. Yeah, I'm not sure all of the teams are out. Some teams are out. Anything taken your fancy so far? Well, I, I, I did want to touch on a little bit of news slightly before that, which is the Tom Curry um, ban that we that we received. Because that's, that's probably the biggest bit of news that's occurred since we last recorded uh, what feels like... Um, Six hours ago. Yeah, it feels like six hours. I think it was. I think it was a mere forty-eight hours ago that we last recorded a podcast. 
Yeah, so um, if Tom Curry's banned for two games, right, which allegedly he is, no, not allegedly, he is, right? He, yeah. What would be the obvious replacement to you? Um, probably Willis. Not Ben. Or, or maybe. Not Ben Curry, no? <laughs> well, he's he's injured, isn't he? Well, that's what that's what they could do. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I might have to disconnect and then come back in if it persists. But uh, the obvious thing would be Steve Balthwick to announce that because of the two-match ban, he is dropping uh, Tom Curry from the squad and calling up Ben Curry. Yeah, so I think I can just about tell the difference between the two of them. You wouldn't need to play Ben Curry. You would just need to ask him to look disappointed whilst Tom plays. <laughs> Very good. If only... I think the the reason why Ben Curry missed the um, certainly the the um, warm up camp and everything else was because he was injured. He did his hamstring very late on in the season, didn't he? Yes, so he, did. he was injured for the World Cup. Yeah. So if if only they had played down that injury, they could have actually used that ploy. Indeed. So uh, are you are you happy with the ban? Do you, is it proportionate? Do you think? Uh, I'm a bit. Uh, Yes, but I am a little bit surprised, I must admit, that they didn't try and appeal it. So the RFU, who tried to appeal and on first pass successfully appealed Owen's Farrell, Owen Farrell's red card, which to me the mitigation was less and the um, act more serious than Ben Curry. They appealed that, uh, but they decided against appealing this one. That was probably the most surprising thing. So once once they don't appeal it, then the red card stands and you just get meted out the kind of standard fare, which was for um, relatively low um, uh, harm incidents. And a guy who's got a pretty clean record was three weeks reduced to two if he's got um, if he attends tackle school. Tackle school, um, what a joke! So so I'm I'm fine with that side. I, I'm just I said last week. Um, I thought there was there was at least grounds to argue mitigation. Look, um, whether those grounds are right or wrong, but there is at least grounds to argue mitigation because there is a significant drop in height. I, here's what I would argue, right? And Tim, feel free to, to jump in as soon as your Wi-Fi is fixed and whatnot. But if it was Argentina next week or a week after that, I think they would appeal. But actually, what's the point? Tom Curry is one of the few players who I think is guaranteed to start when he's fit. You're not going to need him against whoever you're playing next, and you're probably not going to need him until what Samoa, and you might not even need yeah. him then. Frankly, you know, it's just is one of those yeah. things you just might not need. So the next big game is probably going to be Wales or Australia or Fiji, depending on how things pan out. At which point they will need him, and because he's a starter, I mean, do you want to risk? Imagine if he did his crucial in playing Chile or playing Japan. Like, there's just no point, is there? And there is intrinsic cost in defending this. I don't know how much it costs to wheel out the barristers to write Owen Farrell's 800-word report or 800-page report or 80-page report or whatever the hell it was. It's not, it's not cheap, though. You, you know, uh, Bill Sweeney has got to save all the pennies he possibly can in order to pay himself. So unless he absolutely needs to, I don't see why you just don't wear the two-week ban and go on with it, two-game ban. Well, that is that is precisely what they have done. Yeah. Um, so he he will definitely miss Japan. He'll definitely miss Chile. He will be eligible for Samoa, um, and then 
unless something goes disastrously wrong, he will hopefully be fit, firing and ready for the quarterfinal. So, yeah, that's that's what they've chosen to do. And maybe they can use that to kind of uh, cow some favour for a future potential appeal and say, oh, look, we didn't we didn't appeal that one, but we're going to on this one. So you need to uh, take it a, seriously. Let us off. Yeah. Yeah. Do us a favour on this next one. Yeah. Um, okay, so which of the teams are not out? That's probably a better way to do it. No, the, 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 no it's probably easier to say the ones that are out. South Africa have named okay. four scrum halves in their in their twenty three man squad, which is very which is very fun. It is, yeah. But you know, when you watch Grant Williams play, he's obviously a utility player. Bath can play two positions, so maybe he can. Yeah, no, 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 I, yeah. I, I know, but it's just it's nonetheless fun. It, it it's unusual um, to pick four. They, while several of them can play different positions, they are primarily scrum halves. Yeah, <laughs> they've got you've got four of them in a matchday squad. I think it's quite. I think it's quite good to see actually, because in my mind, it is just doing what everyone would like to do, which is picking your best players regardless of position. And that South Africa squad is more balanced than you realise, because of course Libic starts, but I I love um, Wilhelmsy uh, playing at ten. Well, I think he's a great player. Lib- he is Libuk, Libuk, Libuk doesn't start this week. No, well, Wilhelmsy does. Or Wilhelmsy. Uh, yes. So, yeah, Damien Wilhelmsy. 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 So, like, yeah. they've got plenty of options in lots of different positions. Those two boys are world-class tens. You don't really, really need another one. Just just take the best guy, guys you can. Grant, Grant Williams can obviously play different positions. Um, we saw, who was the guy who used to play scrum off for Northampton, whose name escapes me now? Kobus Reinach, he's starting. Kobus Reinach, he can go on the wing because he's absolutely electric and he's and he's played. So this is what I mean so that, that they could legitimately have all. Four, I bet I bet you just for just for giggles, uh, Jack Nienaber and Rassi will will have all four on at one point with Kobus Reinach <laughs> on one wing, Grant Williams on the other, Faf at ten, and Jaden Hendricks are at nine. Quite possibly, quite possibly, it is the sort of thing they would do uh, if they would be more serious about it. And I don't know if they will or not. They probably don't play Faf. I think Faf is emergency, emergency. Mm, yeah, because he is he is the starting nine. Yeah. Although, do you know, looking at those other boys, I mean, you can make an argument that any of them could start. It's not like they're bad. And Faf yeah, does have the occasional. Their squad is outrageous, isn't it? Because it doesn't even it doesn't even you look at that team. It doesn't look like a weakened team. No, it doesn't. It just looks like another team, another monstrous team. <laughs> it's it's frightening. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, they've only played one game, but including the build-up as well, I'm loving South Africa. I'm mean, loving South Africa every bit as much as I'm loving France. Mm. So South Africa, their opposition, Romania, sadly have not oh. announced their squad. But it doesn't matter who they put out, they're going to be in for an absolute no, high. They're going to get they? absolutely pasted. Also, uh, what would we say about yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. yeah, nothing. Who? <laughs> yeah. Um uh, Wales named their squad. It's all changed for them. New Zealand named their squad. It's all changed for them. Bar a couple of players in each side, it's it's twelve or 30, 13 changes to the side. So this this I think what this speaks to is the fact that this weekend's fixtures are not great. No, they're not, are they? So I think the tournament organisers loaded up the first week with some interesting games. Second week, when you know, everyone's sort of engaged and uh, you know there's a bit of interest. You get you know, the second week done, and then you get back into the meaty stuff on third and fourth week. That's what I think they've done. 
Yeah, and I suppose England-Japan should have been a, a pretty tasty matchup when, when you think back four years, but it's just that they've fallen off a cliff. And But, you know, on, on the flip side, Tonga have got the potential to to take a couple of casualties against Ireland. So I think that's the biggest I think that's the biggest thing out of this weekend is just coming through unscathed. There is news that Malcolm Marks has got an injury severity as yet unknown. Oh no. But um yeah, so, so they like it's going to be an attritional world cup. So that's probably oh. where where the focus is. Have we have we heard about the Marchand um injury as well? Yeah, we he haven't actually off. heard yeah, that I think looked... he's at, he, he's going to be out probably for the pool stages now. And he missed the 2019 World Cup, isn't he? He's got rotten luck. Oh, because he is a hell of a player. Yeah, he really is. And they've they've got... <laughs> France's three options at hooker are incredible. With when uh, the two-time reigning um, Heineken Cup starting hooker, Pierre Bougarit, is your third-choice hooker, you're doing all right. He is ace as well. I love him. Yeah, so he's absolutely ace. And he's third choice. And by the way, I thought, I mean, um, the starting hooker on Friday, uh, names escape me now, the guy we were just speaking about. Julian Marchand. Uh, Julian Marchand is a great player. Sure he is. But actually, I thought France came to life when Malvaca came on the field. And this seems to always happen, whether it be to lose or France. Malvaca's ace, and he's he's on the bench again. So they don't lose much, if anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, so, yeah, France, Uruguay, a... that's got to be a walkover, pretty much a walkover. Unless it's, it's all horrible. it's all walkovers except for Samoa, Chile. Chile have got the potential to cause uh, an upset, I guess, against Samoa. Uh, Tonga have got the. Uh, I, don't, I just don't see them getting close to Ireland, but they've got the, they've got the opportunity to. Japan could do something against England. I just don't expect it. The only one, the only this whole weekend's game uh, round run of games is all based on. Australia Fiji being a belter. If Australia Fiji is a dull, like I don't know, six three win to Australia with terrible, terrible play, the, the whole weekend could be a write off. Do you know what's really going to happen? Tim? Momentum out of the World Cup. Do you know what's going to happen this weekend? I guarantee what? this will happen. The rugby won't be great because it'll all be like sixty odd points to nil in almost every game. Almost every game, right? Somebody big is going to get a red card, and that's going to be the story. It's going to be yes. two or three names. I'm going to get a big red card, and it's going to affect the rest of the tournament. And I think it just shows where rugby's going. Um, and sadly, it's going to be the people that make the laws making the headlines come Monday morning because there's just not enough competitive rugby in, in this round of games. Well, I mean, there's even talk today, another story I was reading is about the... Australia haven't announced where the World Cup final will be because it hasn't been decided whether the World Cup will be expanded next year. And I, I just think we were hoping, and, and Phil mentioned this on a previous podcast, we, we were really hoping this was going to be the World Cup where we get an upset and that and that gap would be bridged. Um, but I think there's two things I take from this. The World Cup is not ready to expand. No, it's not. And, and more needs to and should be done to not sever the, the gap between the so-called tier one and tier two. And I think that th- those phrases in themselves are uh, have a negative impact in some respect. Because okay, so just to correct, it, you, correct you on one thing there, the only people who yeah. call it tier one and tier two are people like us. That's not an official term. So like, if you say tier one and tier two to someone in world rugby, 
they will correct you immediately. They'll call it something else. I think they call it emerging nations, don't they? So I don't think it's fair to say, look, um, yeah, we shouldn't even be calling them tier one, tier two. Well, it's only us. That- well, that name's come from somewhere where it's ubiquitous. We haven't made it up. It's, no. it's how they've. Yeah, but, but, but I think it's probably the. I think this is exactly my point. Yeah. The bigger nations, um, the bigger unions, and the bigger country and uh, countries. The, and the fans and the media and everything that follow the bigger nations like England for example England Wales, all the home nations mm. everyone in the rugby championship refer to them as tier two because they see them as well I think below. I think it's a historic moniker is it not yeah yeah well exactly but but that I think that plays into the attitude towards these teams and that's what needs to be changed if you're actually going to end up with a world cup where it well, is because this has got the potential because round three's games uh, you've got Suddenly, um, round three's games actually, you've got like Ireland, South Africa, haven't you? Yes, or well, no, no, you've got Wales, Australia, but that could end up being not a lot riding on it. Um, and you have got Ireland, South Africa, so that'll be big. But th- there is a potential for the interest to ebb away a little bit this weekend after a great start, yeah, yeah, you're 100% right on that. Um, I'm just going to pose a different question to you though, Tim, right? Just looking at it from a different angle. Do you think it's possible that actually the gap has been closed somewhat? Because I, I think it has. But they're just unlucky. And what I mean by that is the teams that are supposed to be winning are winning. So say if, I don't know, uh, Chile could beat Japan you know, three out, of, three out of ten times. It just happens to be that we've got you know, the seven out of ten times that Japan win and so on and so forth. Whereas last year, it might have been one out of yeah. ten, something like that. And it might just be the case that, yeah, the standard is going up, because I was really impressed with Chile. I really impressed. But they just weren't quite good enough to beat Japan. And if, you know, things stick to the form book, and the bookies are, are right on um, how they see the game, unless these teams start becoming favourites, which is what we'd all like, I don't think, you know, it, it is possible that, even though the gap is closing, we just don't see the upsets that, that we want to see. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is, just to your point about expanding it, it's definitely not ready to expand. And if the authorities want to give the Tier 2 nations, emerging nations, I should say, more of a chance, it does make sense not to expand it because it gives you regular rugby to qualify for the World Cup. And that's actually quite important because if your only rugby is the World Cup... So, for instance, Japan have played 17 games before... They played Chile on the on the weekend. That that is it in four years. Seventeen games, which just isn't enough. So there's a good chance that because the World Cup exists and you get entry to the World Cup, that that's going to be the majority of your your competitive international rugby against teams that you don't regularly play against. I actually think that having the World Cup in this size could promote more competitive rugby, which would be beneficial outside of the World Cup window. Yeah, I mm. just uh, I guess the, the the final thing I'd add on this is that the the World League Rugby Championship Six Nations to make money in the short term is going to have downwind negative consequences oh, and yeah. it shouldn't it should not be the way that they go. Well, you know why the World League exists, don't you? Just the, the sheer the just Cash. The con- Well, it's more than that. So it's Oh more- no, yeah, it's, it's yeah, wrestling world rugby yeah. wrestling control from Six Nations, yeah. Six Nations, World Rugby, they're all fighting each other. Uh, and of course, the people they should be fighting—they shouldn't be fighting. Actually, they should be working together, but they never will, because I guess between the Six Nations and World Rugby, it's like the narcissism of small differences is, of course, the top fourteen, which is going to dominate both of them in very short order. Phil, are you, I'm, uh, sorry, Phil, are you back? 
I am I am back. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened to my. I've got um, Tim's French four G connection. Ah, good. Um, uh, but I I kind of like the idea of um, uh, idea from a distance of the principle of a world league if it was totally different and you could make it work. And by that I mean, <laughs> I mean that those are two league. massive parameters there, Phil. Well, the the so. The, the idea of a world league, I'm not not against, but when you consider that the only way you're going to, so you you're not going to be able to do it with much more than ten games a season because yeah. that's roughly what we have now. Maybe you you have five in the Six Nations, you have two or three in the summer, and you have three, maybe four in the winter. So ten to twelve games, but of the ten to twelve games, um, nine of those are going to be taken up playing the other nine of the top 10 tier one um, counting rugby championship and six yeah. nations as, as tier one nations. Yeah. And there's no way that you can have a, any single calendar year without a um, six nations because it's just too profitable. It's the only thing it's that makes profitable. money. It, it is. And it, it makes money for those nations, um, which props up a big chunk of that, the, the rugby, the grassroots and upwards rugby in those nations and also now it makes a bit of money for CVC. Yeah, one so third. Yeah, one third of it goes CVC. Thanks, Bill. Cheers, Bill. Uh, I think I think that one's isn't that one about 15, 12 or fifteen percent. It doesn't matter. It goes anyway. It, it yeah. doesn't come too, to us. Too much of it goes to CVC. Yeah. But what that means is half of your calendar, half of your available slots every single year will be taken up by the Six Nations, regardless. Like that. That is happening. And there's no way around that. And and really, there shouldn't be. But then if you want to throw the other four um, tier one teams in Argentina, South Africa, um, New Zealand and Australia, and then the next biggest market in Japan, it basically means there is zero room for any of those tier one nations to play any of the yeah. tier two nations. I, yeah. So if you could free up... And, and at the same time, them, they don't want... Yeah, and at the same time, they want to introduce it with no... Uh, pr- promotion relegation element involved, so you're, well, you're effectively just like shutting the yeah. door. And this this is the thing: like you've either got to give up um, the Six Nations, the most profitable element, which will not happen, or you can't do promotion relegation, and you have to exclude the tier two. And that's the bit that, like, I don't want to get rid of the Six Nations, and I would love to have more tier one. Uh, the t- tier two games, yeah, um, and more, more, more overall um, games where um, tier two teams are exposed to different yeah. competitive rugby, exactly as you said about the qualification, so, JB. You just can't square those two circles without something major changing. And another thing which we need to consider as well is I don't think international rugby. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is the best way to produce better international rugby. So it's all very well saying, Jordan need more games, Chile need more games. I mean, the biggest benefit to Chile is not more games. It is keeping their squad together or having a one really, really powerful club team, as we were speaking about. Um, and I think that is a model for the emerging nations, and not just for the emerging nations, all nations. You know, you need their club teams playing competitive rugby week in, week out, in something that means something. Um, I think Namibia, I mean, they do have a team in the Curry Cup, I think. Um, but surely they would benefit from more exposure to you know, to club uh, club rugby on a, on a on a consistent basis or you know, just so many there's so many good examples fiji have benefited enormously from this so i actually don't think the best model for for international rugby is more international rugby i think it's more club rugby at a higher level i i completely agree with that and we spoke about it the last two weeks i think that's yeah. it's something to take out of this and the rise of chile and the good things that Uruguay are doing, the good things that Fiji are doing, the good things that Argentina did and continue to do because the players have got great cohesion thanks to playing five years together in that Jaguares team. Mm. Like you need that you need that in Georgia. You need a team in Georgia playing competitive games in Europe. Same with Romania, same same with any of them. If I had serious money, like serious money, and I wanted to invest into rugby, like everyone talks about the United States being the the place to go i wonder if it's south america that's what i think the spanish-speaking nations you've already got a good basis you've already got three four four countries at play Def, definitely three countries at play i mean to me it well, sounds you, like a really good idea do you remember a few years ago i've not seen any videos for a little while but a few years ago there was a load of videos of brazil playing and the thing that was amazing was the power of their scrum Yes, this is ringing the bell. And how and and I will add how how lovely their stash was. <laughs> yes, of course. But yeah, Brazil had a, an amazing. I, I need to look into that. But Brazil had an amazing scrum. Yeah, can you imagine the cliches that would come from a Brazilian team? Though I mean, the cliches in rugby are bad enough already. But the samba boys, the skill, the kicking ability—none of which would be true. But that's they'd, exactly what they'd be talking about. So Brazil do have the Cobras who play in the Super Rugby Americas alongside uh, Penarol, which is the Euro- Uruguayan team, and Selknam, which is the very successful Chilean team. I tell you what. Who, I, the, who the whole pack is based on. I'm pretty sure that would be the rugby market that I'd put my, my money into. That one. That one right there. That's. I mean, if you want to buy low, sell high... That this it's it's a market that has some growth potential, some significant growth potential. Yeah. Well, just just touching on club club rugby for a second, and just obviously France being the model. I, I wanted to go and just do a recce and make sure I knew where I was going. Okay. Tomorrow morning, Scot- Scotland have an open training session at their base, so I'm going to go down there and mm. um, just um, see what I can get. 
and it's at Stade Nissoir, which is the, the top team in, in the area. It's the Nice rugby team. And they're in the third division, so it's like Federal 1. And it was awesome being there. They've got a brilliant little stadium. It's like, it just blew my mind. It was like, oh my goodness, this is like, there's a better atmosphere here than you get at, it wasn't a game on. It was just like the academy was down. There was, the youth teams were all out training. Um, the club was just buzzing. And uh, and that's the third division. It was ace. Yep, yep. We're in trouble, Tim. We're in trouble. We're in real, real Well, no, well, but no, but, but I, I say France is the life raft and it's it's showing the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that life raft is going to pick up all of the uh, drowning players from the, from the, from the Premiership and then the English leagues. We're in serious trouble. Well, I listened to the the podcast that um, my phone decided to do an update when I when, when I was starting, so I, I missed the other day. So I listened to that, and I'm I'm kind of more optimistic that G- the give changes me, that need to be made will be made. Give me so one, anyway, but give me one no, optimistic no, 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 change. But, no, this is World Cup. This is World Cup. This is World Cup. <laughs> this is World so, Cup. Um, Tim, here's a little fact for you for tomorrow. You might you might already know this, but one of the current Scotland squad uh, played for Stadney Soir. For a couple of years, fair play, Phil. I, didn't, I did not know that. That's a great stat. So this is I'm, this is from. Uh, I'm going to pretend I, I knew it all along, though. Well, so on July on 25th of July 2017, the Scottish Rugby Union announced a performance pathway in partnership with Stadney Soir. As part of this partnership, uh, partnership several Scotland um, rugby players joined the French club, including. Former London Scottish player Dave Cherry. Wow. Well, well, well. Good knowledge. Great knowledge. That's great knowledge. That is fantastic knowledge. I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I knew that all along. If I was a, <laughs> if I was a professional rugby player, I'd want to have a stint in France. I tell you, you did have a stint in France, uh, in New Zealand. Um, hang on, I'll come back to that in a second before I continue. Uh, I'd want a stint in New Zealand, France, Japan, England. I think I put the money to one side and the England um, ambitions to one side because they're not wor- it's not worth that much anymore for a start. I'm just going to try and get as much experience around the globe as I possibly could. Mm. So who who are you going to say did have, did a stint in New Zealand? Yeah, because it's quite interesting. So um, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Bentley, played back-to-back seasons. So he played something like, I can't remember the exact consecutive weeks or games that he played, but when when New Zealand were playing their season, it was the off season of of England. So he basically played for two mm. two or three years straight, go, go, like going back, back back and forth, which I think is exactly how you do it. That's cool, isn't it? But there's, have, a, have a shorter career, but fit more seasons in in that time. Well, well, I mean, even that. I mean, I think he played till he was like mid thirties. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I yeah, think Tom fair. Wood did the same. I think Tom Wood had yeah. a little stint. Famously, so did Martin Johnson. But I'd like to know who, um, the, who the English guy is who has played the most top leagues. Probably Haskell. Haskell's Good. a great shout. Good, maybe. Did, did you, he, he did South Africa, didn't he? He did. Jamie Roberts? Jamie Roberts. That's, that's the answer. Surely. Jamie Roberts has Probably, been everywhere. Yeah. South Africa, Australia. Japan. Japan. No, I don't know if you did you Japan. You probably and France. Did. Definitely France. France and, and England, England and Wales. And Wales. Yeah, probably. 
Um, I'll just push the conversation on to something else that was quite interesting. Alan Waters uh, has has basically said that England looking bad in the warm-up games was all part of the plan. Now, not directly saying we wanted to play badly, but his... If you do you remember, I think it was the Ireland game, or it might have been one of the Wales games. And I remember seeing England walking out of the tunnel for the second half, and I was just like, they've got thousand yard stairs on, they look like they have no energy. And that was one of the things we said during the World Cup warm ups they've got no energy. Yeah, well, Alan Walters has basically said he's been loading up the players so that they have been tired uh, when when they've been playing the World Cup warm up games, and that may explain the sudden boost of energy that it appears they have. And players like Maru Itoji, who looked a shadow of himself suddenly looking like he's back towards where he was four years ago. Maybe Alan Waters, who is highly regarded, has won a World Cup with South Africa four years ago. Maybe he has actually got a plan. So two things I'd say about this. If anyone else in the world had said that, I would mock them mercilessly. But Alan Walters, as you say, Tim, has got one hell of a reputation. And he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt. If that's what he said... I tend to lean towards the fact it might be true. That's my first thing. But there is another thing which I would like to question on this, which is, is there not a massive correlation between fatigued players and potential injury? And is that wise? Mm-hmm. So I I would, I think the answer to that second one is um, probably. Um, yeah. I don't know, don't know the, def- the data for definite, but maybe they just looked and said, well, We've got enough depth in our in the positions, therefore it's a risk we're willing to take to get that boost. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but you know, aren't you wanting to load these players so that they go through a process and come the end of that process when they deload and then stop playing? Which is quite, by the way, it's quite common in lots of other sports, isn't it? Like weightlifting, mm-hmm. for example, you load, you load, you load, and then a week before competition, you start deloading, or even two weeks. Uh, before so, yeah, yeah. You know, it is a thing that happens there's no two ways about that um but then it's sort of counterproductive isn't it to take a guy out who's done say 75 percent of his loading because he's injured and bring in a fresh guy who's done no loading well have they have they uh, there hasn't been many injuries in the england camp no no but i'm just going to t- uh, to phil's point like would they would they say it's worth injuring these these players presumably if they put them on the journey they want them to finish the journey well, but then, maybe he, maybe his conditioning so good that he manages to get the amount of amount of fatigue that he wants without crossing that line into creating an injury risk. Quite possible. The things that these guys can but, do is incredible. But also, if you let's say your worst case scenario injury um, attrition rate is, I don't know, twenty percent, then you only need forty blokes in your squad. Like you, you, you only need to load up forty blokes, or and if it's if, if it's double that, you need to load up like just forty five blokes. So it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not that hard. Imagine and when, God, when you uh, when you have twenty three guys playing on the Saturday, it's not that hard to have the other um, fifteen or however many guys, seventeen, twenty, doing a significant fitness drill. Um, on the morning of the game or even after the game. Um, so God. everyone is getting broadly the same um, loading, using that terminology. Yeah, so I, I just want to, I'd love to be part of the conversation. So, okay, 20% dropout rate, for example. So long as we yeah. stay below the dropout rate, we're good to go. So a guy comes up to you saying injured, what do you say? Just a statistic, mate. Or 
if you get like a handful of props injured, you just stop the props training altogether. It's like, no, no, we can afford more back rowers getting going down, but not you boys. You need to stop now. <laughs> maybe it was, or maybe it was um, the the guys had to work hardest where there was the most depth. Yeah, like all the back rows uh, and where else have England got depth? No, nowhere else really. The back rows had to work twice as hard as anyone else. Like you see someone go down with a cruciate injury, and you just go, "Well, I guess we're ahead of uh, I guess we're ahead of schedule with our injuries because we should have two by now." That's awesome. <laughs> it is collat- collateral damage. Collateral damage. Go home, Paul. Your collateral damage. <laughs> to be fair, uh, you'd take the risk. Like if if you were in that team. You'd you'd want the risk of being collateral damage for the shot of winning the World Cup. I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, World, World Cups are won on hard work, so why not? And because you because you're kind of putting your body on the line anyway, it's kind of like I don't know. It's a, a, a part of the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's an occupational hazard. Um, exactly. So, England is 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 the team out. No. no, brilliant. Well, we'll end that. Yes. Well, well, the games, the games on Sunday, so that gets announced on Friday, Friday afternoon, evening. Got it. Okay. What else do you want to review, if anything? I think that's about it, isn't it? No, it's kind of. I'm just thinking. Uh, uh, there's not really any major injury worries. I mentioned Malcolm Marks and Julian Marchand, and Tate McDermott's out for this game against uh, Fiji, but they've got Nick White. Terrible uh, replacement, awful. Jack Jack Conan won't be playing for Ireland, but he'll be fit for the box. So there, I, I think that's pretty Dan, much it. Dan Sheehan is uh, might not be playing this game, but he's back fit, which is good for Ireland. Which yes, is very, very important good. for Ireland. Excellent. Um, okay, well, if we've got the, uh, no more, no more say about the World Cup build up for what might be one of the most predictable weeks of games that the World Cup has ever seen. We can leave it there. Well, it's a good, a good one for an accumulator. I don't know what the... It's all on the on the feed. Well, actually, if you just can't, did the seven games excluding Fiji Australia as an accumulator, you probably... Like, you could put a, a decent chunk of change down and have every confidence that you'll get... You're, like, almost guaranteed to get something a bit more back. Now, you're not allowed to do yeah. this, are you, Tim? Uh, am I allowed to bet on the Rugby World Cup? I, I might be allowed to on the Rugby World Cup. You're not allowed to bet on the Premiership. That, that's why you use my account, not, right? Not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I've never betted on the Premiership. <laughs> back. No, I'm, uh, I haven't been allowed to bet on the Premiership. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Or, um, the Euro- or the European Cup. Well, but I guess there is one more prediction to do before we go, or not really a prediction, but a review. Have you bought any bottles of spirits or liqueurs yet, as we advised you to no. do, Tim? No, I haven't. I really haven't. I've been to CrossFit twice, though. Have you? Tell me about that. Now we're excited. Yeah. What? Uh, um, I, w- I went to um, Cag uh, Cagnes, or I don't know exactly where it is, just outside Nice, Sur-Mer, mm-hmm. and it, it's a really awesome box, and um, I, I like, practice my French all day. I was like, right, okay, so I'm going to, I've practiced how to say, can I, you know, I'm here for a week, can I? Blah blah blah. I, I, I've practiced it in my head, and then I just went um, bonjour. Um, I can't remember. I've, see, I've even forgotten what the. I hate uh, this. What, I what, what the French I was going to say was, and she just went, 
hey, what's your name? How are you doing? Yeah, come on in. Like in the most <laughs> incredible English ever. And then everyone was. So, But it's actually really good for, it was great training, but it's really good for your French as well because you have to listen to the instructor and you, you pick a lot of stuff up. But what I've noticed is in, in CrossFit, all of the movements are the same as as in English. So today I was doing, it's yeah. like uh, 30 double unders, uh, and then followed by a uh, wall walk with uh, avec 10 shoulder tap. They just, it's all got the same, it's all the same. They don't translate it to French. They just, you say a squ- a squat clean is squat clean in French. Uh, is it really? Yeah. I hit a 131 squat clean today, Tim. I don't want to talk Very about good. it. But it did happen. Very good. Like you, you put those little quarter kilo uh, actually, it wasn't one thirty-one. It was it was a hundred and thirty point five. So it was is a point two five plates, which I whacked on whacked on on the end. Um, are the French in good shape with all their cheese? There is one guy there who yeah they are in good shape. There was one guy there who it was his birthday yesterday, so it was, it was a little thing they do at that box where everyone goes after the after the wad's done, everyone goes in a, a little circle around him. And uh, the person does, and everyone does it with him. His, whatever birthday it is in burpees, and uh, I, I said, "How old is he?" And he said, "No, no, no. You have to, you have to do the burpees to find out." <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> Love it. He, Love all that. I'll say is that he was in he was in incredible shape shape for a forty six year old. Damn incredible it! Incredible shape. Yeah. So, so awesome. I've, I've done CrossFit in two different countries, right? I think two different countries. Yeah. Um, one was in the Canary Islands, Grand Canaria, and I swear to God, some of those guys looked like they—they they looked like they had been CGI'd, like they were that good shape. It was, and I think it's because they're always topless and they're tanned and they're brown, and yeah, everyone was stunning. I was like, God, okay, great. And the other time I did it was in Holland. Now, if you're late in my box, basically, you know, you're scum. Uh, you get shouted. I'm at really you. sorry. I'm really. Can you tell Phil this, and I'll listen to the rest on the podcast. I have to go. I've got to be on Talk Sport in a couple of minutes. Go, <laughs> go, 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 Tim. Sorry, Tim. sorry, sorry, sorry. That was that was rude. But no, off no, you go, not. mate. See ya. See you later. Um, I'm sure this podcast was his idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was late in the for the box in Holland, and they offered me a cup of tea. What for being late? For being late because I looked a bit wet because I had to cycle there. I said, oh, would you like some tea? So yeah. I hope they, I hope they spat in it. <laughs> yeah, and then they gave me some pink cakes, which was very nice. Really enjoyed that box. Uh, now, just b- final thing to go back onto rugby bef- before we finish. If we must, I just had a look. I've just had a look at the accumulator for this weekend. Yep. Um. So it's it's not very profitable. Is it not? So for one thing, um, France. So I'm on. This is on Betfair. Other markets are available. On Betfair, they are not even taking bets backing France against Uruguay, New Zealand against Namibia, and South Africa against Romania. Oh my word! They are they are all like basically inevitable that those teams are going to win. You you can get one point zero three backing England, one point zero two backing Ireland, wow, one point zero two backing Samoa. And 1.01 backing Wales. Um, now you can get 1.3 backing Australia, but if, if as Tim said, um, as Tim said, bet on everything you can bet on apart from the Australia Fiji game. Ten quid would return you 
80 pence. No! So, so, so you put £10 on, and if those uh, four results come in, you get your stake back plus 80, 80 pence. Uh, so that is not worth it. I think that looking at this market... What about Romania, think, Namibia, and Uruguay to win? £10. Well, <laughs> let's have a quick look at that then. Uh, so <laughs> Uruguay, Namibia, and Romania. Wow. That is long. Uh, let's just... <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> let's just put this in. Uh, so your ten, the same ten quid, would get you one million three hundred twenty-six thousand five hundred ten pounds. Is that better or worse odds than the lottery? Um, well, the lottery I think is about fourteen or fifteen million to to one. So this is uh, one point three million to ten. So this is worse. This is a factor of a hundred worse than the lottery. How or more you... uh, so yeah it's a factor of 100 more likely than the lottery so if i've got 10 pound i should put it all on the lottery <laughs> um it it's the same you're you're throwing away in either situation i think you're basically burning that tenner <sighs> wow wow what a week what a weekend install for us eh so if if you were going to bet on anything I would say do a single on either Chile at 23 to 1 or 23 23s or Tonga at 26s. But both of those, I think, are probably too short for reality, but they are the most likely upsets to happen. Samoa must be playing this weekend. Yes, um, so Chile against Samoa. Oh, right, so they're they're favourites, are they? So, yeah. Right. Samoa are 1.02 favourites. Very, very strong favourites. Right, right. Okay. Oh dear. Right. Well, hopefully things will get better next week. Yes. They can't get any worse. No. So when will we be back? Uh, Saturday? Sunday? Monday? Um, perhaps all three. Perhaps. Well, yeah, perhaps uh, uh, all three. So from this very disjointed podcast, uh, that's our very disjointed um, schedule for next week and um, I guess that's it we will uh, see you sometime in the future Saturday, Sunday or Monday let the boys play let the boys play hey folks I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.